for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. Critically analyzing global affairs, this is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's round two. If you missed my previous hour with Reverend Dr. Michael J. Sutton, do recall that you can uh, always find all of TNT Radio programs uh, archived, uh, ready for streaming. You can even download the MP3s yourself to your own devices and do what you like with them. Uh, listen to them in 2x speed, which is how I pretty much listen to everything. These days, we have uh, an AFP article out says with mid-east crisis russia and china hope to turn tables on us since russia invaded ukraine the united states has sought to isolate moscow and pressure china to keep its distance with war in the middle east russia and china are seeking to turn the tables the us has cast russia as the disruptor of the international order at the Security Council with Biden promising the world body that Washington would use its veto only sparingly, but the U.S. went ahead and vetoed a draft resolution last week. But, um, you know, I think I think there's a, a point here. Again, I'm finding a, a growing chorus of analysts singing to this tune that the tables are turning on Pax Americana ever so slowly um who i forget who it was uh this week earlier as well there were analysts saying that america is being pulled into a trap by sending their warships and soldiers and whatnot to the near east because they're going to be surrounded by enemies with few or no allies and they're walking into a trap because you got russia china iran syria yemen jordan you name it, um, ready to go on the uh, offensive. Uh, maybe Turkey would join in. You never know. So that is bothersome. The serious reports, a big channel. I've had the the Anon from Serious Report on my podcast. They uh, add to that too, and they say, "quote In the context of current developments, this is a highly significant statement by Beijing." "quote China will continue to firmly support Iran in safeguarding its sovereignty, territorial integrity, national dignity, and will strongly oppose any external forces interfering in Iran's internal affairs." Also, this controversial figure, but he has thought thought-provoking analysis. Shahid Bolson says. There is coordination between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, Russia, and China. That much is clear. They want to push the U.S. out of the scenario as much as possible. China is calling for an immediate ceasefire and the convening of an international conference for peace, which would bring in more parties, including China, to work towards a lasting resolution. BRICS is trying to wrestle control over the issue from the U.S., and there's a piece out in israelnationalnews.com says the diplomatic battle between Israel and Egypt can decide the future of Gaza. And I got this from the Twitter of uh, some Egyptian official, I believe, Ali Abdel Wahab, member of Egyptian Council of Foreign Affairs. He says secular agnostic. 
And he says, the referring to this article, he says, the sinister plot laid bare the Yanan plan. And if you read this article, it talks about, uh, basically, it argues for the mass exodus of Palestinians from Gaza. Uh, and then if you go, the Yanan plan people can find was an actual Israeli political strategy decades ago talking about precisely this so it's incredible to uh go back decades to an israeli uh strategic policy and now in the official mainstream israeli op-eds they're discussing you know basically a mass exodus of the palestinians i i guess uh, as as one of their strategies that is interesting this is pretty crazy this story russia um threatens NATO state's foreign minister with criminal charges. Lithuanian foreign minister Gabrielus Landsbergis could be prosecuted over calls for regime change in, uh, in, in Moscow. He's called for a coup in Moscow. Is this guy suicidal or what? Um, uh, Maria Zakharova uh, brought this up, the Russia's uh, spokeswoman. According to Zakharova, in a recent meeting with fugitive Russian tycoon Mikhail Khodorovsky, Landsbergis openly called for a violent change of government in Russia. You see, th this is the true face of the liberal Western democratic order. It's just unbelievable. This is what makes me want to vomit. They, I've seen it in the universities where I've worked among my my peer academic professors, the students, they're all on this George Soros globalist liberal trip like democracy. And then we should have the right to overthrow foreign sovereign countries. That's democracy. You know, it's our way or the highway. I mean, it's incredible calling for violent change of any foreign government. That's that's insane. So uh, that's going on. One more for you, though. Here's, here's globalism, the multipolar edition. TASS Russia reports um, how Putin approved Russia's new climate doctrine. The key long-term goal of the Russian Federation's climate policy is to achieve carbon neutrality no later than 2060. So Moscow is playing along with the same world government agenda 2030 SDG democidal agenda. What's, what's up with that, Vlad? Uh, I, I heard some some of my subscribers mention how um, eh, maybe there's something to this. Maybe the reason India and Russia say they will achieve carbon neutrality by 2060, like 20 years after the West, is because they never plan on really achieving it. That the West is going to collapse, and then they're going to be like, "Haha, just kidding. Well, we're not we're not going to really play along with the whole agenda." Maybe that's going to happen. I don't know, but so far I see even Putin and Russia playing along with globalism and you can check out Zelensky's recent tweet he was calling for the urgent expansion of a total supranational globalist EU it's absolutely crazy you can check out Zelensky's Twitter he's calling for the the complete completion of the EU to cover this United States of Europe to cover the entirety of Europe even to throw Belarus into the mix and anyone who's uh, you know, Zelensky is a full-on globalist. Just check out his recent tweet. He says, our Europe is at a special moment. Uh, so absolutely insane. You can, you can see that is part of the, the goal of the Ukraine 
war. So it has a lot to do with EU globalist supranationalism. All right. Did you know there are many ways you can listen to TNT radio? You can stream direct from our website on your desktop, tablet, or mobile, or download our app from the App Store. We also stream live on YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey. We've got you covered on TNT Radio. Covering the world's news. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The Oregon Board of Education has decided to suspend some high school graduation requirements after a unanimous vote last week. As a result, students will not be expected to prove basic mastery of reading, writing, or math at an exit assessment in order to receive their high school diplomas. Here with the story, joining me once again, TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Now I have heard of lowering the bar, but this might be a new low, right? Uh, Believe it or not, this is actually in the name of disrupting, that's the term that they use, racist outcomes. That's right. We're going to fight racism by not requiring reading, writing, or math skills to get a diploma. This doesn't make any sense. Um, So here's how this happened. Uh, In 2021, uh, former state governor Kate Brown, a Democrat, uh, she's got a D next to her name. I have to mention that, uh, signed Senate Bill 744, which suspended skills testing amid the COVID-19 lockdowns. Aha, I see what's going on here. Prior to the legislation, high school students were required to demonstrate essential skills for graduation. Makes sense. At the time, Mark Siegel with the Oregon Department of Education told KATU, quote, Senate Bill 744 does not remove Oregon's graduation requirements, and it certainly does not remove any requirements that Oregon students learn essential skills. Siegel added, quote, SB 744 gives us an opportunity to review our graduation requirements and make sure our assessments can truly assess all students learning. In the meantime, it gives Oregon students and the education community a chance to regroup after a year and a half of disruption caused by the pandemic. End quote. Last Thursday, the State Board of Education voted to continue the suspension until the year 2027, despite dozens of community members submitting public comments in favor of reinstating the requirements. Who cares what the public wants? <laughs> According to the board, the assessments were harming students of color and those with disabilities, which was reported by KTVL. Schools are still conducting these skills assessments, but the results are no longer being used to determine whether a student can graduate. Vicky Lopez Sanchez, a dean at Portland Community College, explained, quote, we haven't suspended any sort of assessments. The only thing we are suspending is the inappropriate use of how those assessments were being used. I think that really is in the best interest of Oregon students, end quote. Board Chair Guadalupe Martinez Zapata stated, quote, we are unable to ethically make a different decision at this point. It is also unethical for us to continue to require this when we know it can continue to cause harm and has had no change in how students are performing, end quote. Dan Farley, the Oregon Department of Education Assistant Superintendent, said, quote, the ways that students 
met the requirements, the types of diplomas that they got could all be predicted by race, ethnicity, IEP status, multilingual learner status, end quote. He added, quote, we have to do what we can to disrupt those basically racist outcomes, end quote. Critics of the board's decision expressed concern that dropping the exit assessment will devalue the state's high school diploma. Um, Hervori, is that all it's going to devalue? Uh, what do you think about this? Because I know you used to be a teacher. I thought this was pretty insane. Yeah, you know, I was uh, a high school. I taught junior high, high school and undergraduate university level. I'm still certified to teach in the state of Illinois, and I, I taught at the top schools in Mexico and Kazakhstan. Um, but, you know, I, on one hand, I've generally become disillusioned with education, you know, public schools and even a number of private schools, because they're, a lot of them have been taken over by UN globalist ideology uh, on one hand, and then on the other um it's just it's a lot of testing and all this garbage i think you know homeschooling is the way to go or there there are certain schools you know unorthodox schools you know montessori waldorf and stuff like that that are better options and again depending on where you, where one lives uh i guess if you live in a wealthier area generally you might have a better uh school but even that isn't a guarantee so not to say every school sucks, but most of them do, in my opinion. And you know, this is pretty, if you ask me, collectivist, kind of communist. And I've worked in schools where they were just sort of, it wasn't based on merit. Not that you know, capitalist-like system where you get what you deserve, but um, they would, even people who were supposed to fail, students, would be giving, given the passing grade. Uh, in fact, no one would fail. They might get like the lowest grade possible, a C or something, but they'd be passed, uh, you know, just because. And so the, I don't think that I don't like that at all, even my, for myself as as, as a student, because I'm, I've always been like, uh, you know, I think in university I failed math once. I had to retake uh, uh, a math class. It just wasn't my thing. But I think it's important for young people to fail, to to not succeed to, to taste what failure uh you know feels like and this is this is not uh good uh because you know once you fail you're going to be motivated to okay to work harder to learn what you need to learn but if you never learned it um and you just get a pass well who are you you're someone who <laughs> didn't learn what you were supposed to uh and so yeah it's 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 not good yeah, I think the the quest for academic excellence, whether you achieve it or not, is vital to the individual's success as well as the success of a society. So it makes no sense unless you want to dismantle society and or set up the members of society for failure to do this kind of crap. Um, so I'm a big fan of uh, the the you know fight to achieve to to try to be you know be competitive. Um, cause yeah, like you said, it, it'll motivate you to, uh, solve problems or, um, you know, work on those weaknesses that you have. And that, that, that builds character, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I hate to be so simple about it, but it's true in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to know what I'm made of. I want to test my grit and test my metal. If I fail, I'm going to keep trying until I 
succeed and you know I, I do have to say a lot i don't like a lot of the standardized testing and all these assessments i think they're garbage um and i i would do away with them but you'd have to have alternatives as well you can't just have people show up and just by uh having a, a pulse you pass right um you have to demonstrate competency and so thank you ruckus catch up with you tomorrow we got Dave Hunt's daughter, the late Dave Hunt's daughter, uh, joining us, Karen Hunt. Uh, phone lines will be open. Be right back. TNT Radio's Bruce DeTorres. Too many Americans and people in other countries feel powerless. In school, we were trained to wait until it was time to do what we were told. Go to the next class where we would wait until it was time to do what we were told. We did not evaluate situations and make decisions about what to do. Now, too many of us are terrified if we have to evaluate situations and decide what to do. Making decisions and acting on them are how we exercise power. We didn't exercise power then, so we feel powerless now. And that's why we let so much evil happen. We don't think or feel we can do anything about it. The cure is to start evaluating situations and making decisions and acting on them. You will develop trust in your judgment and enjoy exercising power over yourself and your own life. Then you will enjoy encouraging others to do the same things. And together, we can roll back what is hurting us and we can create new solutions that make life enjoyable. Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Our next steps to space. This time we go back to the moon to learn to live, to work, to invent, to create. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Returning to the Hurvoya Moric show is Karen Hunt, free speech advocate, exposing the lies of the media. You can find her fantastic substack at khmezek.com dot substack.com follow her on uh the american social credit system known as twitter x karen elaine hunt welcome back karen thanks it's great to be here nice to see you yes yeah, it's nice to see you the the listeners can't see you yet right but soon they will be uh seeing us hopefully um and you know the first thing on the the top of the agenda is you know, like a few weeks ago, I was reading your latest Substack, and I kid you not, like literally the hair on the back of my neck was standing up. And I was like, like, are you serious? The the <laughs> whole this whole year, I I had you on probably last spring. I, I think I checked. I, I think the first time I, I interviewed you was like April 2022 or something. So I've been talking for a year to you without re realizing that Dave Hunt was your... <laughs> <laughs> father like i don't know how that slipped by me um but i was a huge fan of dave hunt i 20 years ago i came across him i i got some of his books i was listening to his lectures back in the day he had a huge impact on me uh escaping catholicism and um digging into prophecy 
that, that I'm just my I'm just my my mind is boggled. So you know, we, we could talk a bit about uh, Dave. I don't, have you talked much about him on your Substack or otherwise? Uh, you know, I so you know that I you know, when I write my essays, I sort of sometimes weave in stories from my childhood because I had a very unusual upbringing. Um, you know, with with Dave Hunt as my father, and so I have told some stories about it, but I, I, I never, I, I don't know, maybe that one that I wrote was the first one where I was very sort of uh, specific and I added, a, a, you know, a video of one of his talks there and maybe that's why you were able to make the connection. But I have written about him before and, and it's been amazing how many people have contacted me to say, wow, your dad was so influential in my life, you know. So that's really been gratifying. I've had some people say, you're, you're not Dave Hunt's daughter, you don't, you know, and I've had other people say, you're Dave Hunt's daughter, <laughs> you know, so, so it's, it's kind of interesting how people perceive it, you know, but yeah, I am Dave Hunt's daughter, so. <laughs> that, yeah, and I watched that, uh, the video you posted, I watched the entire lecture, and I think it's cool, I mean, it's cool that Dave was your, uh, father i mean you can feel proud of that that's what i'm hoping one day that my kids will be proud of the work that i've done and they'll look at their dad and be like wow you know the the, the things that he was uh doing and um and, and it was interesting in that lecture the video that you posted i think it was 20 years ago in the early 2000s yeah. and i mean he mentioned now now i kind of get it when you talk about your uh life he mentioned in that lecture 20 years ago that basically he lived on an airplane that he was just constantly traveling traveling i mean what was his life like and i'm assuming and uh, maybe not all but many uh, of those travels you tagged along uh well it, you know it's interesting because um i i can do a little background on it um and maybe some people listening don't even know who dave hunt is but you know he was a very influential writer in the 1980s and and wrote some books about um he wrote a book uh, the the biggest book that he wrote probably was the seduction of christianity which was the infiltration of um you know uh eastern mysticism uh psychiatries uh all of these different things that were beginning to creep into christianity and my father was very much um you know biblical you know to go by the straight word of god so um but when i was a, when i was 10 years old my dad um which uh this was in 1966 if you want to know how old i am um 1966 yeah um he had a sort of an epiphany and he he was not he was a very successful businessman but he wasn't happy and so he he believed that god was uh, calling him to become a writer and so he gathered us all in his studio this was study this was in los angeles and said um you know i i i believe God wants me to become a writer and we're going to start traveling the world so I can gain inspiration for my books. And so and that's what we started doing. And so I, I weave in some of those stories. For example, we escaped out of Egypt right before the Six Day War. We were there right before the Six Day War, just days before they, they, they closed the borders in Syria. We smuggled Bibles into communist countries. So I tell some of these uh, some of these stories in my um, in my essays. 
And um, so, so we did that traveling. We traveled quite a lot. But then, and and during that time, you know, we basically lost everything. So because my father was really believing that this was his um, his mission in life, and and then over the years, then he became successful, and then he started traveling. A lot of those travels then were when I was older, um, but when I was younger, we did a lot of traveling so he could gain this inspiration for his writing. Met you know had these incredible adventures. And I always admired and respected him because he always stood by his faith. He never wavered. He was very, a very, very brave man in a lot of situations that we were in. And so um, it, it just made, had a great influence on my life. I, you know, I was going to ask you uh, about that because, you know, again, as you say, he was a successful businessman and he gives it all up mm -hmm. for a change. Uh, you know, in in some ways, that's kind of what what a lot of us went through COVID. You know, I was working in a profession as a teacher for over a decade, uh, and then now I'm doing radio and podcasting. You just never know how it's going to go. Um, but as you, I guess, as you said, the financially maybe there was a point where when you do the transition, you guys didn't have anything. But then he became successful, um, and I'm just curious how. Um, how famous was he back then? I'm, I'm assuming, like amongst the Christian um, audience, he 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 must have been very famous. No, he was, but kind of infamous in a lot of ways because he stood up against um, the prosperity teachings. He stood up against a lot of these things that were coming into Christianity, and he was very much. Um, sort of a renegade which is kind of like what i what i would call myself as well uh he you know in established in a lot of established circles he was not he was sort of not liked that much he would he spoke out as a you know he spoke out he wrote about Catholicism. He wrote about Mormonism. He wrote about a lot of different things. I think at one stage after he wrote a book about Mormon, he had to wear a bulletproof vest when he would go to interviews sometimes. Um, and uh, so so this was sort of this the, the life that we led. But even becoming successful, he never, I can say, he, it wasn't, he was never concerned about money. He never cared about that. He never, mostly when he got money, he would just, you know, give it, uh, he, he would he would give it away to needy people, things like that. He he always lived a modest life. He believed in following Jesus' teachings, you know. And so that's but but what he cared about was getting the word out, you know. Getting the you know he really believed he had a mission from God to to speak out and to remind people to go back to the word, go back to the word, always go back to the word. And that's where you would find. Um, you would find the truth because there, and as we can see now, there are so many distractions, so many things that, that are trying to lead us into other directions. So I think that was very, um, you know, that was his big message. And, and uh, yeah, and, and I think that um, I admired him because he would go anywhere to speak. He, he, he never would even like, charge it was whatever you want to give you know and he would travel anywhere in the world to what was then the soviet union sleep on a pastor's sofa <laughs> you know um pay his own way to go places but god god blessed him and he always said to me it's not you know even our ideas of success in this world are not god's ideas because we don't know what the you know look jesus died on the cross you know you wouldn't call that a big success, certainly. And he would always say that the people, you know, when you speak the truth, 
people aren't going to like it. If, if you're talking about things and everybody's like going all gaga over you, you know, maybe you need to rethink what, what you're saying, you know, so, so it was always things like that, that really kind of those kind of things stuck with me um, over the years. But he yeah, was well-known. He was well-known. He was well-known. I, I remember we would go to, you know, Hal Lindsey. We, you know, I, I think I mentioned in one of my, I don't know if you know who Richard Wormbrandt was. Um, oh, big fan yeah, of Richard Wormbrandt. Yeah, yeah, so he was a friend of my family, my parents. The One of the first people that Richard Wormbrandt came to see when he came to the United States, he came to our home. In fact, not that long ago, I was talking with his son, um, Still wow, alive. like literally right now, the hair standing on the back of my neck, the <laughs> fact that you knew Richard so, Wormbrand, uh, yeah, you know, so, his books and films really um, <laughs> impacted me. If you could hold that thought, um, Karen, we'll come right back with uh, Wormbrand and Voice voice of the Martyrs. We've got to jump to our headlines. Be right back. Now's a good time to break the big news. TNT Radio News. This is James O'Neill with a check of today's headlines. The recent surge in hostilities between Israel and Hamas poses a significant challenge to American aspirations for peace in the broader Middle East. On October 20th, President Joe Biden attributed Hamas's attacks on Israel to the group's desire to hinder the emerging ties between Israel and Saudi Arabia. President Biden warned the Chinese Communist Party yesterday not to attack Philippine vessels in the South China Sea, stating that any attack on the U.S. ally would trigger Washington's mutual defense treaty with Manila. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. We're back with Karen Hunt, the daughter of the late Dave Hunt, who had a huge impact uh, in my life many years ago karen substack khmezek.substack.com and you were talking about how he was friends with richard wormbrand and i mean even for people who aren't christians just studying the life of someone like richard wormbrand you know he founded the voice of the martyrs um he was held in a romanian communist prison i believe for 14 years and when you listen to his testimonies for example wormbrand i i've, I've read his books i've listened to some of his speeches he had physical scars from the torture in the communist prison. And this is the kind of person I want to emulate. You know, a lot of us, we have this attitude when we're attacked verbally or even physically. Our instinct is to, like, get all angry and, and fight back. And it's like, no. You know, what Wormbrand did, he was the guards that were torturing him. He was he had like a positive attitude. He was joyful. Uh, he was preaching the gospel to the guards, and the guards were like, "Wait, like we're like literally killing and torturing you, and you're not like mad or angry, like they couldn't fathom it, and and that's like mimicking the true, uh, you know, Jesus Christ. And eventually, some of these guards came to Christ, you know, and he's like, "God put me here in this prison in this moment to be tortured by you to tell you the gospel, and then to hear that guards in the communist Romanian." prison came to faith like that just blows uh your mind and i think especially in this day and age with everything israel and palestine and everything it's just like i want to have more of this attitude of loving my uh enemies and not getting all uh crazy but uh we were cut off please continue yeah yeah and you know i remember i i don't i i don't I'm trying to think how old, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I distinctly remember him coming to our home 
and his wife and she just had this most beautiful smile all the time and um and i remember looking into his eyes and his face and this man that you know he was sort of otherworldly uh, just by his presence um by the things that he had been through and i re I, re I remember him also saying that uh be just shocked at what we called Christianity in the West uh, as compared to what, you know, stand, what it meant to stand up for your faith, what it meant to, you know, really live your life by, by the word, of, by the word of God. And, uh, you know, he didn't see that. And, and I think this is what we're, we're going to find out here. You know, when you, when you suffer, when you suffer, truly suffer, this is what, what makes you or breaks you, you know, and um, and I think what we, we will find that out. I write, I've written a bit about that in my essays. You know, I believe that that day is coming, and we're going to have to make hard choices as Christians. You know, for standing up for what we believe, and and that you know the power the the power of love to overcome hate. Um, I think that, you know, there's a ver verse in the Bible that says, you know, when somebody hates you or despises you, you know, if you come back at them with love, it's like heaping coals of hot fire on their head. <laughs> you know, it, it just, it actually, in a sense, it drives people crazy because what can they do? Of course, the world is much more complex than that. You know, the issues that we're facing, you know, on national, international levels. Um, but I mean, all of our problems go back to the fact that we've uh, left God. <laughs> you know, th th that's the simplest um, answer that everyone is trying very hard to forget that there is a God that, and that we need to return to, to him, you know. And so that's the source of all of our problems. And, you know, we'll keep going on, uh, you know, beating ourselves against a wall until there's nowhere else to go, nowhere else to turn. You know, that, that I think that's that's what happens to people. You see it over and over again. And, and you know, until we have no choice but to say, okay, you know, we, we've t tried everything and none, none of this works. None of it works, you know. So, yeah, those and, are some lessons I learned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Christianity in the West is absolutely um, horrible. You know, I went to Ron Paul Institute Conference in June uh this year in houston and i only found out as i was leaving that it was held at i forget whatever hotel right next to the hotel was joel osteen's church and i left sunday morning had i known um i'm gonna do this next year i would have extended my stay just to attend such a false you know prosperity gospel church uh, i was actually thinking about that today i mean i think stuff like that that's even worse than some you know satanic temple like something yeah. like joel osteen like it's the the stuff that they're doing i heard someone mexicans here told me that they actually charge for entry i'm not sure if that's true uh but you know i, I did want to mention one of my favorite evangelists or preachers is fellow croatian american paul washer and i hadn't listened to him in a long time i listened last night to a recent talk of his and he even mentioned that some of the people that he knows where he lives that are christians if they mention at, at their jobs certain things about being mm -hmm. christian or something or that they're against trans or i don't know what they will lose their jobs and then that yes. recalls uh, when i was living in kazakhstan from 2017 to 2020 i attended a, a church there a baptist church that was 100 years old 
um, and they told me that you know in Kazakhstan it's illegal to proselytize to have you know technically to have multiple copies of the same religious material it's illegal. Um, mm -hmm. Now the other question is how can authorities verify that? I mean you can kind of get away with it, but you know if uh, you could get into trouble. And the churches have to register with the Kazakh government, and the people who preach in the church have to register with the Kazakh government. The church that I attended, they were registered and all that. In general, there were they were kind of left alone. But there was another Baptist church where I lived in in um, Semei, Kazakhstan. I heard they refused to register with the government. You know, according to their conscience, like they 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 thought that was wrong, and you know, whatever. I'm not gonna. Uh, judge them. They refused to register their church with the Kazakh government. They were mostly Kazakhs. And then I heard stories of where uh, many of the people who attended would be fined. Uh, of course, they were not able to pay those fines. The Kazakh government would go to their homes, raid their homes, and take in kind like their furniture, their refrigerators, their TVs, and stuff like this. Uh, so this sort of stuff is still going on, and I think that's a real-world example of what you're talking about you know at some point you're going to be tested are you are you really do you believe really what you say you believe there's going to come a moment you know uh and and i i did want to then sort of uh and by the way i did want to mention uh dave hunts he i think berean call it was called yes. um uh -huh. it, yeah. it's still there yeah yeah, they're still going and I, I had followed that uh as, as well still for a while i i, I remember uh, but you recently tweeted quote as a Christian who grew up learning about Revelation and the end times, it's pretty clear to me what's happening now. Um, you know, another academic figure that I follow, who's a Spanish, Miguel Llenas, I think he lives in Dubai. He's a geopolitical expert, um, and sometimes we exchange messages. But he's also, he's a Christian, and he's also speaking like you are. Uh, it's interesting. Mm. And so, mm. uh, and, and you've been writing some powerful pieces on Substack, so Israel Palestine, you know, your thoughts as to what's what's going on, where are we? Oh, it's such a huge topic and so explosive. And um, you know, it, 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 the interesting thing now, I think it, it, what's really interesting everything that we've been through, everybody's so conditioned now to say, oh, everything's a false flag. You can't take sides on anything because you can't trust anything. No, nobody trusts anything anymore. So nobody can actually make a decision to make a stand except of course, uh, on obvious things like, you know, nobody should kill babies, nobody should kill children, you know, these are things that everybody can agree on. So, uh, so you know, therefore, people will take that stand, you can't fault, fault anyone for that, you know, but, you know, if, if you're looking at it from a Christian perspective, um, you see things a little bit differently because you see that we have we are we are being propelled. You know, history has propelled us towards this point. It's sort of like, um, and 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 there's not, and we're all um, on this sort of this this train. Uh, you know, that that's that's moving forward. And you know what what you know. I always think about it that. All that I can do is, as an individual, I can live my life as I sh as I should. I can speak out. I have to. I can say I stand for by Israel. I stand by the by the Jewish people, because yes, you know, as in, in the Bible, they are God's chosen people. They are God's chosen people. God has chosen them. I don't understand everything that's happening. None of us can understand everything that's happening. But um, if you know. Uh, I had some experiences in my life, you know, for example, I, I mentioned that 
right before the six day war, we were in, we just, my family, we're, we were traveling around the world. We just happened to be in Cairo. We didn't know this was going to happen. And in the streets, there, there were men, you know, people with guns. There was Nasser's voice screaming on the loudspeaker, death to America and its stooge, Israel. And the, you know, you just felt this, it was an irrational hatred uh, you know this this is an irrational hatred that runs so deep and you can ask a question why why is this but um and i remember my our the biggest highlight of our trip was to get to israel and my father when we were supposed to drive there you know because we were in this vw van that had a big usa st sticker on the back <laughs> you know we had this big usa sticker on it and there were no other tourists there basically except for us we were we were we were pretty much we alone that's how it felt and i remember my dad going we went into the sort of the tourist office and my dad said well we want to get to israel and he was screamed at in his face israel does not exist and my dad, of course, because he was always, you know, terrifying us, he just looked at the person and in a very calm voice said, well, yes, it does, <laughs> you know, and the guy screamed again, no, it doesn't. And my dad said, yes, Israel does exist, you know, and those were the kind of situations we got into, but eventually we had no choice but to get out. So I remember, I had, you know, I, I, I experienced that thing of, where on the surface, when everything's okay and you're just the tourist, everybody smiles, every, everything's nice. But but what's lying beneath the surface is something so deep and so uh, you know implanted that how do you how do you get get rid of that? How do you get rid of that? That we are going to just destroy this people, and that's the truth. That 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 is what is actually really happening. Now, do we want to see the Jews eradicated from the face of the earth? Because that's what will happen. You know, if you know if if they don't stand up, and so there's also the dichotomy of you know I'm also a martial artist, a fighter. I always have this sort of struggle in myself. You know, do you fight or do you or do you submit? You know, what 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 is it that you do? There are fighters. There are you know prayer warriors. There are there are all different kinds of people. So, um, so this is a you know th this what we are seeing now. I believe has been foretold. So it's happening in front of our eyes. Things, you know, the, the the forces of the of the of the world, you know, coming up against um, against Israel. I can't say that I, I think the government is corrupt. Like our government is, all these governments are corrupt. You know, I can't. I don't support Netanyahu. I don't support Biden. I don't support. You know, these these uh, um, uh, you know these 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 uh, institutions that man has made trying to you know trying to better themselves trying to uh, you know as i say within the church anywhere trying to become as rich as and as powerful as they can these things will never work and this is the result that we see that we that we see so um so i see it playing out and i and i support the i support the jew the jewish people you know to defend themselves and to survive to survive in this world. Uh, it doesn't mean that I don't also support, you know, fear for the Palestinian people who are under the domination of a terrorist organization and they need to be freed. I believe they need to be freed from that. 
But as we yeah. go on, you know, the terror, I mean, the war on terror, where did it lead us here? You know, the, like the war on drugs, you know, I mean, none of these wars. So it's so a war also is never going to so ultimately solve the problem. I call it the original forever war. We got to jump to our break. Uh, again, the web, the substack is khmezek.substack.com. Uh, phone lines are open. We'll be right back. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The world of weather is gawking at how quick Hurricane Otis intensified before making landfall on the Mexican coast. This simply amazes me. First of all, there have been storms that have been known to intensify as fast. The 1935 hurricane, when CO2 was much, much lower than what it is right now, intensified from a tropical storm to a Category 5 hurricane in a period of 36 hours. Hurricane Celia in the western Gulf of Mexico in 1970, yes, it was 70, actually hit as a Category 4 hurricane 12 hours before it was a Category 1. So what is going on here? There is a common thread of ignorance that is through the meteorology community as to why these things can do it. They stare at computer models. They don't stare at what the weather has done or what the weather can do. For instance, we're in phase eight of the Madden-Julian oscillation. That is like a red paint bomb off the Mexican coast at this time of the year. It's why we are having a hyperactive Eastern Pacific October because we've been stuck in eight. Second reason is you've got perfect outflow to the storm. But the third reason is, and if you've noticed with these, this is intensifying rapidly because it is a small system coming to the coast perpendicularly. Now, why does that help out? Because the storm's energy doesn't want to go inland. So it bundles itself up in the path of the storm and there's excess convergence to the north of the storm as it moves toward the coast. So what happens? Well, it's like watching a skater pull his or her arms in. Rapid acceleration and rapid feedback. These storms all share in common being quite tiny when they do this as far as their diameter goes, so they can bundle their energy easier. But it's not climate change. What it is, is people not being aware of what the weather can do. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Hi, I'm Abel. I often forget to mention that he's an amputee because Abel will try any activity he can. My arm helps me with basically everything. He doesn't see what he can't do, he sees what he can do. Yeah, okay. this is helping. The War Amps has just given him the ability to do all the activities every kid can do. When you donate to the War Amps, you help kids like me. Thank you! You're with Hervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's our final segment with Karen Hunt, khmezek.substack.com, on Twitter at Karen Elaine Hunt. Um, by the way, uh, one of our regular listeners, Chuck, in the chat, he says, uh, he said, Dave Hunt was large in my life, uh, but very firm in his convictions. He was a blessing, but not very open to being questioned. Uh, you know anything <laughs> about that, Karen? <laughs> that's a, Yeah, that's definitely. Uh, he, you know, I think when 
people in, I mean, I, I lived, you know, this man was my father. Um, I think people that are so driven like that, they don't have time for anything other than their, really than their message, you know, and, and I think the more that they say their message, the more that they uh, get in, I, and get get into it, basically. I did not agree with everything that my father said. In fact, I think of all the four children, he and I probably clashed the most. Um, you know, he was a very strong personality. So it was sort of like, you were able, when I was growing up, you were able to ask questions, but, you know, it was just understood that you should read, read, reach the right conclusion, you know? Um, so, so, you know, at a certain point you were supposed to reach the right conclusion. And one of the things that happened, I think with our traveling the world, you're always told you should be, as a Christian, you should be in the world, but not of the world. And I met many people uh, of different faiths. Um, I, and I tell some of these wonderful stories of an, like a Nubian sailor on the Nile, uh, a professor in uh, Morocco that, that told a beautiful story to us about Islam and my father sort of uh, debating with him. But I, re I came to the conclusion that it's not my place to judge you know, other people or to say, oh, well, that person's going to hell and, and I'm not or whatever. Um, because I met so many people. And as we were talking about Christians that really had lived, um, you know, really believed and were good, good people and followed their own, their faith. So, um, so I really cannot say I, I, I sort of deviated at that, in that regard, which doesn't make my, you know, what, what I believe to be any less strong, but I, but I, and I believe that, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, but I, I've never been able to say to somebody else, well, you know, um, you're going to hell and I'm not, I, I don't feel like I have the right to do that. But my father was very, very adamant and very, very strong in his beliefs. And um, so, yes, he, he was definitely, you, but he did, you know, he did like to debate and I can say, as his daughter, he was a very loving father. He would always listen, you know, even though, uh, you know, you, you should always reach the right conclusion. Um, you know, he was, he, he would listen and, um, and try to, you know, lead you along the right path. So, yeah, but it wasn't always easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, to get back to the Israel Palestine, you know, another listener of mine, emails um how they don't uh they're enjoying our discussion they're they're somewhat confused about the cynicism i guess my cynicism i don't know when it comes to israel i'm gonna have to uh <laughs> ask you my friend what you mean by that uh but you know I, I was gonna mention um kind of what you what you were discussing for me it's hard to formulate my opinion because i feel mm -hmm. like some of what's going on it's 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 supernatural you know yes it's it's god's involved there are so many moving pieces. I don't know. On it's 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 supernatural, you know. Yes. It's it's God's involved. There are so many moving pieces. I don't know what is the right position I should hold. All I know is, given my view, is that you know I support. There is a state of Israel now, so I you know I they should have a state. I also equally support the dignity uh, of Palestinians. For the I, I read the book. I got it right behind me. Startup Nation. Uh, mm -hmm. two authors who explain the miracle of Israel, how it came onto the scene. It's got a very advanced technology. Um, it's one of the biggest flower exporters. It's a desert. You know, it's so successful. Um, and 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 so uh, I just think 
I mean, you know, I had one of the thoughts, well, why don't they just incorporate the Palestinians, give them citizenship? Uh, there's a great economy, wealth in Israel. Why not share that with Palestinians? So Palestinians can equally be just as, you know, wealthy and successful as Israelis, you know, st stuff like that. And so I just feel like there should be a state of Israel. I'm not against the second state having a one state. I don't know the answer to that. Either one, you know, maybe God has another plan. That's why I'm kind of like, I lay my hands off. I don't know what's going on yeah. here. God is in control regardless um but and and there is a real hatred for jews as well you know we have to uh i told this earlier today in my podcast i had on a do former doj prosecutor jewish american and we were discussing this subject and i and i personally have heard in my from my own ears saudi arabians say that we should push the jews in israel into the sea so as you mentioned earlier, there is a real sentiment, you know, uh, of that. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, exaggerated. There are people who think like that all over the place. And so uh, and, we're seeing it coming out now. We're seeing it coming out now. And, and, you know, people are feeling that now it's OK to express what they really think. You know, you were seeing it happening before our eyes. And, and as you mentioned, you know, the state of Israel is corrupt as well. I think every state is corrupt. And they are doing bad things as well to uh, mm -hmm. Palestinians and bombing Syria, uh, constantly bombing the Syrian airport, and all of that stuff as well. So we have to also discuss that. It's it's complicated, right? It's not like black and white, good guy, bad guy. Um, we just got a couple minutes left. I did want to ask you just more along the lines of, is this the end times? Is, is, <laughs> is this it? I feel like, you know, my, I have a thesis that, you know, 2030s, is is a decade to watch out for but um and i feel like we are moving towards war with iran which would be like world mm -hmm. war three so any thoughts along these lines yeah and then china is just sitting there waiting for their chance to go into taiwan you know when all of this yeah i i mean who knows and times i mean this I, I, I've said before to some friends of like, you know, that, wow, if my dad, he would just love to be alive right now. <laughs> you know, he would be in his element. He'd be preaching, you know, and for him, yeah, it would be the end times. I mean, he preached about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, okay, put all of that aside. What's the greatest achievement of mankind? We can literally destroy, we are at the point now where we can destroy, obliterate ourselves. And you kind of think, you know, and that's what we are, I think, sort of heading towards. Um, and that's really very scary. And you have to think, uh, you know, it, it's it, so, so that so so we can destroy ourselves. I mean, if you look at the Bible, you know, God's, you know, Jesus will come and, you know, that, that's a whole other discussion. But um, but it does seem like it does seem like we are propelling ourselves towards that. And there's no way as you say, people are feeling helpless because how do you stop this? You know, you can just, you can just watch these things happening like this, like this huge snowball. And it's, it's ter terrifying, I think, for people. I don't feel terrified though. I feel like I, I know where my, my joy and my hope is, you know, so um, in this world, uh, I know what, I know what would bring peace. You know, I, I know what would bring peace. Yeah, I was listening re recently. Uh, one, one, another one of my favorite preachers, Steve, Stephen Lawson, said that, you know, uh, something to the tune of there's never going to be peace until the Prince of Peace comes back. Mm -hmm. So there ain't going to be peace. And, you know, I fully agree with you. Um, 
and that's why I feel like maybe some people who listen, they feel like um, I'm so black-pilled or something where, no, you know, I'm white-pilled, except the, a lot of people don't like our white pill. Jesus Christ, right? And so <laughs> they think we're black-pilled. Like, no, no, I don't accept that white pill. I want some, you know, secular I, I don't accept solution. any pills. I don't accept any pills. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, you know, that, that's why I can look at these dark things and not freak out and still laugh, you know, about World War Three and uh, being killed and... <laughs> tortured or whatever like Richard Wormbrand that's the attitude to have laugh while you're being tortured uh, because you have your hope uh, somewhere else we're out of time uh, real quick 30 seconds where's the best place to find you yes please come to visit me on Substack khmezek m-e-z-e-k dot substack dot com or you can look me up at Break Free with Karen Hunt thank right, you so always, much for having me <laughs> thanks for coming on always great to catch up uh, I'm signing off Steve Malzberg is up next